0: Everybody's got to eat, and nobody likes getting sick. That's why heroes toil in the shadows, keeping your food safe at all points, from the supply chain to the point of sale. Join industry veterans Francine L. Shaw and Matt Ragucci for a deep dive into food safety. It all boils down to one golden rule. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop.
1: Hello, hello, Francine. Hello, Matt. How are you? I am much much more energetic than last time we recorded podcast
0: <laughs> it's, it's because you just carried in that bucket
1: <laughs> of coffee <laughs> they refer to these buckets as pots francine it is a pot of coffee
0: but as i said when you carried it in i only saw a piece of it and it looked like this gigantic bucket <laughs> the, the corner
1: of it that i saw i love this coffee maker it is a Mocha master coffee maker it Cooks, I shouldn't say cooks. It heats the coffee water to a really high degree. And I've had this for 12 years, the same oh, pot. Wow. So they're, yeah, they're expensive, but they're one of those you cry once and then you, I think I'll probably end up burying this with me when I die. It'll be one of my prized possessions that I want to be buried with is my coffee pot.
0: Got it. <laughs> I don't know if I have anything I'm quite that attached to, but. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't know. I don't know. Does Does Jesus make a good brew
0: up there in heaven? I'm not sure. I think he could probably get you anything you want.
1: Probably. Probably.
0: If you ask kindly.
1: That would be my view of heaven is sitting out, looking over the horizon of the clouds, drinking a cup of coffee every morning.
0: There you go. <laughs> Watching all the people below. <laughs> <laughs> Watching all the little people below. Hopefully you can't see all the crap below. <laughs>
1: oh man
0: that's another conversation for another time
1: (laughs) oh gosh I would love to um probably don't want to go see what my kids have to say or whatever but yeah so speaking of what to say what do you have for us today Francine
0: so um I thought that it might be a good idea to revisit home food safety yeah you know the things that happen at home that maybe shouldn't or what is what's the best way to practice food safety at home to keep our families safe you know, what are some of the things that we do that we shouldn't? What do we do that we're doing well? Maybe I should learn how to talk first. <laughs> <laughs> My words, maybe I should have some of that coffee you're having. My words <laughs> don't seem to be flowing properly. Yeah, where's your monster?
1: <laughs> and I'm not referring to your dog. Oh, yes. There it is. Oh, well, that
0: monster's here too. <laughs> she needs a bath. <laughs> but she's here.
1: The monster and the little one. I think that's good. Um, I would I'd love to. to kind of, I don't know if we can create some sort of theme. For in-home food safety. But one of the blueprints for from the FDA, the FDA wrote a bunch of literary views and documents to support their blueprint of new era food safety. And one of them was about food safety culture. And through this literary view, which is actually well written and pretty easy to understand and read, one of the revolving things that they keep coming back to is that there's no studies. No real studies and no real literary reports on how to increase food safety culture with consumers in their households. And so I thought it would be just an ongoing, just fascinating conversation to have is how do we increase food safety culture within the household themselves? How do we, we get people to really wash their hands understand how to wash and prepare food correctly, because that's where a lot of the foodborne illnesses happen as well. I mean, we hear about the big sensational ones. We can talk about it as well, that strawberry, frozen strawberry outbreak with hepatitis A still going on today, but then a lot of it really does come down to just prepping it and and making sure everything is right at home.
0: Right. I agree. And you know, there are so many, when you read some of the magazines that are for the home, some of the information that's in them isn't actually correct. You know, I was, I was recently asked to contribute to just a, a standard. It wasn't a food safety nerd publication, <laughs> which isn't something that I often am asked to contribute to. And the article was on food safety in the kitchen. And it was about how often should you replace your dishcloth or your kitchen towels? My, you know, First thought to that is, I, I don't even have a dishcloth.
1: <laughs> so how do you how do you wash your dishes, Francine? If you uh, sponges are a no go and dish dishcloth, you don't have.
0: Well, this is funny. My my stepmother was just in here. She does not have a dishcloth. She uses paper towels. She and throws them away. She will use paper towels. Oh right, right. But,
1: but you do use some sort of cloth or some sort of thing to to wash the actual dish.
0: I use typically handy wipes. And I will throw them away. handy ah. like wipes is what I usually use. I mean, and that's what basically what we used in the restaurant when I was, worked in the restaurant. And then you just, you know, you dispose, you threw them away, you disposed them. Of course, we're in a sustainability culture now. <laughs> but yeah, and then, you know, threw them away. But I honestly do not own a dishcloth. And the answer to that really truly is it depends. What are you using those to, what are you wiping up with them? You know, did you just wipe up, you know, Blood from a piece of meat? Did you just wipe up poultry juice? You know, a minimum, I would say, of like every other day after each use, if you're wiping up y. E. But when we were talking uh, earlier, you were talking about
1: how you have something about refrigerators.
0: Yes. So I read an article, and the question in the article was, is it okay to put your refrigerator outside in the winter? So basically, can we unplug our refrigerator and just put it outside in the winter to save electricity?
1: <laughs> unplug the refrigerator and put it outside.
0: In the winter. <laughs> uh,
1: well, there are there's some really creative solutions in order to save money. Uh, how is the refrigerator going to stay at a constant temperature if it's outside unplugged? It's not.
0: Not <laughs> okay. that's the only problem, though. That's not the only problem. So, you know, you've got your compressor and all other kinds of working parts in that refrigerator. Yeah. That aren't designed to be outside in the freezing weather if it is really cold. You're going to ruin the refrigerator if it sits outside right. in the freezing weather. So that that's a problem in itself. And then you have the issue of the refrigerator not keeping the food cold because that's not how it's designed to work. It's not a cooler. <laughs> I mean, in even a cooler, you've got to put ice in to maintain the temperature of the food. So that's not a solution. It's meant to run a steady, consistent temperature by setting the thermostat inside the refrigerator to maintain that temperature. But in this article, the one thing that it never really mentioned was food safety. And the fact that you can die if you do this Right. (laughs) It's just not, most of it was about the mechanics and the operation of the refrigerator, which kind of interested me. So, you know, again, when we talk about food safety culture and consumers, it really is something that I think is important to address. And I think it's important to address, you know, we talk about it, you know, as we call them, the food safety nerd publications that we both write for and we both read, but I feel like oftentimes in the average consumer publications, often that perspective isn't addressed, at least not as well as it should be.
1: I agree. And it's its interesting too, because back to all the mechanical parts, it doesn't define what the refrigerator is actually used for and if it would work outside in the middle of winter. Say you live in a place that's consistently freezing. Well, you could say, well... I'll just buy an old refrigerator and I don't care if it ever runs again. And I'll just use that outside in the middle of winter to store my frozen goods or whatever. What would be the problem with that, Francie?
0: What would be the problem with that?
1: Because if you're saying the article was going through and discussing all the issues with maintaining an operating refrigerator, Right freezing the components, heating them up, freezing them, heating up, freezing them, which obviously is going to break them down. But if you're a consumer, you're like, you know what? I don't even care. I'm buying this refrigerator from the dump, right? I'm going to sanitize the hell out of the inside of it. And then I'm going to use it to uh, store frozen goods in the middle of winter, outside.
0: It's not going to maintain that
1: temperature. You're correct. It is not going to maintain that temperature. It's
0: just, it's not going to.
1: (laughs) No. It is interesting though, because a lot of like old, old school preservation, winter preservation was kind of like digging holes into the ground, putting meat and other types of goods in there, squash, whatever, and then covering it up with straw and dirt and letting that freeze packed soil keep everything refrigerated or frozen uh, for a longer period of time. So it's kind of like taking a modern day concept of how old school preservation used to be during the winter. But it is fascinating because the the refrigerator itself would insulate and not get all the way cold and would warm up. And so you have this constant cycle with your food of not actually doing what you wanted to do. In
0: and out of the temperature danger zone. Correct. So another thing that people are doing now you know, to save money because you know, let's face it, in, inflation is what it is. Prices are higher, and people are trying to conserve yeah. money where they can. Is they're unplugging the refrigerator for a couple hours a day, or maybe they're unplugging it overnight, and they think that that's saving them money, and in reality, it's not because the refrigerator is going to drop the temperature, and then it's got re- yep. to it, it, it's got <laughs> you know rebuild the the temperature. You know, again, in the morning, it's got to do its thing so all that food then is potentially going into the temperature danger zone during the course of the night and then of course it's going to drop it's going to re-chill then the next day which runs the risk of food spoilage you know you're doing that over and over again and they don't understand what it is that they're doing right
1: and you're also right, too, that it would it actually take up a lot more energy because all that products during the evening will actually warm up. Mm-hmm. And so when you plug the refrigerator back in, now it's got to do two things. It's got to cool the in- environment, which is what it's supposed to do. But also, in order to cool that environment, it's got to recool all the, the food that was in there, beverages and beverages that were in there to the appropriate temperature to keep and maintain that constant cool temperature. Uh, So it's working over time actually and costing more energy.
0: And it's going to shorten the life of the appliance because now it's working extra hard to do that than if it had maintained consistently over a period of time. So yes, it really doesn't make sense.
1: And the potential with like, obviously the food quality is going to decrease the shelf life is going to decrease. So now you're losing your, you're losing your product. It is sad though, that that is, that is decisions that people have to make. Oh,
0: absolutely it is. And then if you've got anybody in the household that is in a high risk category, you know, you're potentially putting them in even a more dangerous situation. Yeah. So it's like, there's so much to be considered and they don't even understand or realize what they're doing. And, other people are turning up the temperature of the refrigerator so that it doesn't have to maintain, you know, the lower temperature where the food should be to keep it safe. Most people don't even know what the temperature should be in the refrigerator. Right. I mean, let's face it. How many people do you think really know that the temperature? Yeah. Okay. So if the temperature of the food needs to be 41 degrees or lower, that doesn't mean you set your refrigerator at 41 degrees. Most people don't even know that the food needs to be <laughs> right 41 degrees internal temperature to begin with. We know that because it's what we do. But if you want your temperature of the food to be 41 degrees, your refrigerator needs to be like set at 38 degrees or a little bit lower, depending on how cold the unit is. I actually had an argument one time right. with an appliance repair guy in a, in a restaurant about that. And he certainly should have known. So your average consumer doesn't know that. And so how do we educate them?
1: Yeah, I, I, that's the, that is the, the best question. And that's what everybody is asking right now. As the sophistication of the supply chain and the retailers and food service companies increase, and theoretically, then our outbreaks should decrease, then the next big target to help educate is consumers, right? Because that's where then the next big problems will be with food safety. It probably is where the, the majority of them are. It's just hard to tell with epidemiology. So what do I mean by that? There are probably a lot of foodborne illnesses that are chalked up to the 24-hour flu that happen within a household that never get reported. And even if they do get reported, say it is E. coli from, from some product from the refrigerator that only a few people within the house got sick from. Well, you go to the hospital, then everybody goes, oh, okay, all of you guys are sick. There's nobody else sick from any place else. So, you know, it's a 24-hour flu. When really it could be E. coli or salmonella or something like that. So it's hard to tell actually or, or get those stats of how many people are sick internally from their own food safety issues brought on through the household. That is going to be, that's going to be the next one to, to tackle. And what does that look like? who gets used in terms of that education and outreach? Is it something like stop? Does the government help prop up stop? Is it like uh, Darren Detwaters type of organizations? Is it something that like food safety news would tackle? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't,
0: I don't know. I mean, do they develop a new agency? Well, there is, um, there is an agency that does educate. It is for the consumers. They do a really, really good job. I don't know how broad their reach is, I follow them. Well, I
1: mean, from our listeners, if you guys have any ideas or know of any organizations or whatever that are tackling the consumer advocacy of food safety and also the advocacy of misinformation, getting rid of misinformation, because I think that's probably one of the biggest (laughs) hurdles is you have all this TikTok stuff out there with just very intriguing views of food safety and it's kind of you're like having to battle misinformation while also providing credit so bad
0: right now I can't remember who they are um, they're in the DC um, Northern Virginia area and their logo is this really um, I love their logo and right now I just can't it's like escapes me who they are but we can put their link on our we can put our their link in our notes. Right now I just can't remember the name of the organization, but they do an amazing job of educating consumers. Now, now, stop stop. Know, no now it now. I think i I know how to find it.
1: Clean. Yeah. Well, when you're, when uh, I know you said you didn't have a myth for us, but you had something that kind of went along with the topic of the, you know, unplugging the refrigerator, refrigerators outside. What's the, what's the next thing?
0: So condiments, we all have condiments and there is always this huge discrepancy about what condiments need to be refrigerated and what condiments don't belong in the refrigerator. So. Let's talk about which condiments we refrigerate and which condiments we don't refrigerate. Ketchup. Do you put ketchup in your refrigerator or do you not put ketchup in your refrigerator, Mr. Ragushi?
1: I put ketchup in the refrigerator.
0: Yeah, I do too. Um, Heinz says ketchup belongs in the refrigerator. But, but do we have to put ketchup in the refrigerator is the question.
1: God, there's so much sugar and vinegar in it. I'm guessing not.
0: No, we do not. Ketchup does not have to go in the refrigerator to be safe. When I worked in the restaurant, we kept it in a plastic holder on the wall. We absolutely did not keep it in the refrigerator. It stayed on the wall. Worcestershire Worcestershire sauce. (laughs) No one can say it. I don't feel bad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think there's I think there's like technically twenty different ways people say that. Worcestershire, Worcestershire,
0: Worcestershire, (laughs) Um,
1: refrigerator or not. I keep it in the refrigerator. Do you? Yes, but you don't have to.
0: No, you do not. I do not keep it in the refrigerator actually. I do not. I, you know what? It's
1: almost uh, all these condiments you're talking about. I keep in the refrigerator only because it's, there's such a convenient spot in my refrigerator to have it. And I cook so often. It's so easy just to grab it from that one convenience.
0: Yeah. I keep mine where I keep my spices and things. That's where I keep mine, but no, it does not have to stay in the refrigerator. Mustard.
1: No, it does not. But I keep in the refrigerator.
0: Yeah. I keep mine in the refrigerator as well. It's a, it's a taste thing, you know, it tastes better. Same thing with ketchup. Who wants warm ketchup on a cheeseburger?
1: We say this, but every restaurant has warm ketchup.
0: Well, I don't know. They no, they don't because oftentimes they're kept. And I guess it depends. They're kept in a in a container that hangs down, and it's called a makeup table,
1: which is chilled. Oh no, no, I mean like on the table. Oh, but on the
0: table, it yeah. is warm. Out of do they still keep it on the table in restaurants? Uh
1: some restaurants that I've been into do, or like the ketchup packets or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you're right. A lot of that stuff has been kind of moved back because of COVID.
0: Yeah. It's well, COVID and people do really gross things when it's on the ketchup on the table. Like <laughs> <laughs> should we do this? <laughs> oh, background coming into play. Um, they will like pick it up and like lick the, the rim and put the lid back on. Like, would you do that at home? I mean, okay, maybe I don't want to know. I don't do that at home, but it's like the that's just gross. Yeah. Don't lick the rim of the A1 sauce and put the lid back on when you're out in public. Like, that's disgusting if you want. No. Don't do that. Just don't.
1: I wouldn't do that in my own house, but at the same time, like, I definitely would not do that at a restaurant, even if I did do it in my
0: own I mean, house. okay, well, I would hope not because you know the rules, but Ugh. there are people Well, that, it's just disgusting. There are people that, trust me, there are people that do that. So, okay. Now this one, this one is a little bit concerning because they don't distinguish. Oh no, wait a minute. I'm sorry. It just says olive oil. I was thinking it said garlic. I was thinking it said-
1: Like garlic infused olive oil? I was thinking oil. it
0: said something different. This says, it's olive, it says
1: olive oil. Do not refrigerate olive oil. Do not no. Olive
0: oil. I was thinking it said garlic and um, like the crushed garlic and wait, my mom just go blank here. Have another drink of your monster. Garlic infused oil, like that. Yeah, garlic infused. That's what I was thinking because that, if it's not processed, like that, can get dangerous.
1: Yeah, it can get a little rancid. Olive oil is actually an amazing antibacterial. It has amazing antibacterial properties. But I infuse, I make my own own infused chili oil, which also has garlic, and I put that in the refrigerator just for shelf life purposes. But yeah, I'll make my own chili oil, my own garlic chili oil or whatever. Yeah.
0: You Italian people. It's not just
1: Italian, actually. (laughs) I I, I did it a lot more (laughs) once I started having Chinese kids because they'll put that stuff on everything. And oh, man, what a great. The
0: next one is hot sauce. My granddaughter, I swear to God, she would drink hot sauce out of the bottle. This kid (laughs) loves hot sauce. It is when I go to Mexico, I will bring her hot sauce home from Mexico. It's like if I travel anywhere that has special hot sauce, I bring it home for her.
1: Oh, you're so good. But
0: what about hot sauce? Hot sauce
1: does not need to be in the refrigerator. Well, it depends on the hot sauce, the type of hot sauce. But Are you gone most again? time it doesn't have to be in the refrigerator. I have it in the refrigerator.
0: Hot sauce does not have to be refrigerated. Hi,
1: this is producer Joe Diaco. And what you've just heard is the ending of the podcast recorded by Matt Ragushi and Francine Shaw. As for the abrupt ending, either they both ate an unrefrigerated condiment and became too sick, or Perhaps there were internet issues, and then by the time they got them resolved, they were both too busy to continue. Either way, the podcast will be back next week. And until then, you know what not to do.